Wednesday is our next first Wednesday dinner. And we, uh, when we're building our dinners, we try to have um, uh, great food at an affordable price. We try to have a time for fellowship around the tables. And we try to have a significant event, whether it be a speaker or an action like building the wreaths. Or in this particular case, we have an Ash Wednesday service. Uh, so if you come this Wednesday night, uh, make sure that if you want to come this Wednesday night, make sure that you register in the attendance register that goes by. Just put uh, uh, Wednesday dinner and the number of adults and children in the line, and that will count as your reservation. Uh, we have a meal, we have time for fellowship, and we'll come here at 7 o'clock for the Ash Wednesday service. And of course, if you're not coming to the meal, you come straight here at 7 p.m. for an Ash Wednesday service. Uh, we began a new series this week, uh, starting next Sunday uh, uh, with Ash Wednesday. Um, we are going to read through the Psalms throughout the entire season of Lent. Some of the Psalms have um, great brokenness because they've pulled away from God, great brokenness because they feel God has pulled away from them. Some of them have great assurance, admit, admits brokenness, that while this that's going around me is uh, hard and difficult and I have illness and loss, I know that you're present with me. But all of them celebrate um, the themes that we have throughout the season of Lent of trying to draw closer to God and understand the things that we've done to impede God's will um, that all lead towards the cross in Jerusalem that Jesus is placed upon. Uh, so out through, throughout this season, not only in the podcast, uh, in the newsletter, in our Sunday school lessons, in our worship, uh, we'll be uh, celebrating the themes of the Psalms. Um, we begin a new Bible study next week as well on Sunday nights with uh, Bobby McQuaid. Bobby teaches a great deal. She's a great, passionate leader. And she's going to be talking about a similar theme throughout the season of the brokenness of human people, of uh, human beings, but the uh, love and uh, nature of God drawing closer to those human beings and the opportunity that people have to respond to that love. Um, Bobby is a tremendous teacher, and I would encourage you to participate in this class that um, starts next week on Sunday nights. Erin uh, Knight is our director of children's ministries, and she's going to tell us about BBS this summer. Good morning. I'm really excited about this year's Vacation Bible School. It is not the first I've participated in, but it is the first I have planned. And I am um, really going deep into it and getting excited more and more as I, I realize the potential of this year's theme. It is called Hero Central, Discover Your Strength in God. And because it's about being heroes for God, I am going to have a missions emphasis throughout the week. Every kid, three years, three years old and up, will be doing missions nightly. And I'm really excited about that. And I hope that they will be really excited about that because they will be making a difference every day they come. Um, we are going to uh, have a kickoff dinner on Sunday, June 11th at 5.30. And that dinner is going to uh, represent all five of the themes we're learning that week, which is God's heroes have courage, heart, wisdom, hope, and power. And so I'm finding professionals in the Greer community who use courage, hope, wisdom, Oh, I did that in the wrong order. Now I don't remember. Heart and power. <laughs> um, so we'll have firemen and policemen and teachers and um, nonprofit leaders who help people, um, medical professionals, and all those people will share with the children how they feel God works through them in their work each day. I can't wait to hear what that message is. I'm really excited at the potential of that. Plus, for the younger ones, we'll have um, a fire truck pending 
uh, approval of the fire department um, will have different things that they'll enjoy. And for older kids, I realize that by, I have a fourth grader, so I know that by fourth and fifth grade, some kids start to lose interest in the crafts and singing and other pieces of that. Some don't ever lose that interest, like myself, but um, just to make sure we're reaching everyone where they are, fourth and fifth graders will not be doing the rotations, which would be missions, science, recreation, and crafts. Um, they will be doing missions only. So they will make a real impact spending an hour a night doing something significant. Our biggest mission of the week will be for Greer Relief. We'll take up donations nightly. We'll take donations from the church members as well, even if you don't have a child in BBS, if you want to support that effort. And then on Thursday night, we run Monday through Thursday with the curriculum. Thursday night, the fourth and fifth graders will actually stock the soup kitchen. Uh, no, it's, not, it's not soup kitchen, excuse me. Greer Relief's pantry. We will also be making centerpieces for the soup kitchen and blessings for their tables and some other things that will be seen throughout the community and have a real impact. So, um, if you have a child, registration is open. We have CDs to give you of the music as soon as you register, so if your child wants to learn the songs early and get excited, they can do that. We also have a volunteer uh, sign-up form open and ready, and I've already gotten a lot of support. I'm really excited. I think we'll have um, a lot of help, but there's still a lot of need. So if you want to email me, that's fine, or if you want to fill out that form, you can find it from the homepage of the Memorial website um, and uh, sign up to help or register your child. We still need publicity, decorating, an assembly leader. They get to wear a cape, by the way, so if you think that's your, if that's you, if you're the person who wants to wear a cape, please contact me about that. Um, puppeteer, uh, science leader, and then grade level leaders um, for three, fours, K5 first, and second, third. And some people to help with cleanup and registration. There are things you can do even if you're not attending that night, too, so let me know if you have a desire, and I'll be glad to plug you in. Uh, the the final thing I'll mention is that I want to serve dinner this year. I also want to keep it free so that it is not hard for any person to participate no matter where they're coming from uh, financially. So that's a challenge, but I'm going to see if I can rely on the generosity of memorial members, which has never failed me before. Um, there are some sign-up sheets in Sunday school classes. You may have seen one this morning. If you want to sponsor one night of dinner that week, we already have the community dinner covered um, from the announcement this morning. So there's four nights that I would ask someone to serve a simple meal to the children and their families. And you can contact me if you'd like to know more about that opportunity. Thanks, and hope, you'll, hope to see you at Hero Central. Thank you, Aaron. So first one, if you could just get some organization and get together, right? My goodness, uh, you've got a lot of stuff going on. That's tremendous. We're excited for that. Um, in regards to risk-taking mission and service, we are the home of the craft fair for Greer Relief. Uh, it's in our Family Life Center. It happens twice a year, and it'll be coming up in March. So if you'll pay attention to the announcements uh, to support those vendors who are um, there at the craft fair who then turn around and support Greer Relief. Um, and we have CEP and trust meetings tomorrow night at 6 and 7 p.m. Uh, if you'll stand as you're able and join us for our first hymn, number 144.
affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life of Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Our first scripture lesson is from Psalm 131 that can be found in your pew Bibles on page 969. My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have stilled and quieted my soul, like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you. 
we thank you for gathering us in this place. A place where we can find comfort, hope, instruction, inspiration. And we pray for those who are experiencing great pain in our community. Those who have experienced loss, sickness, and a broken heart. Lord, as we gather together, strengthen us through the reading of the text, through the singing of the songs, through the proclaiming of your word, that we as brothers and sisters, as one family, can affirm our faith, can affirm one another, can be strengthened for the mission of serving this community throughout this week to come. Clear our minds, open our hearts, that we may hear your message for us today. Inspire us, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time for our offering, and if you would like to text to give or give online or give in a recurring way uh, online, you'll see instructions on how to do that in the bulletin.
Please be seated. It's difficult for our bodies to be still. We like to be in motion. That's one of the worst things to me about being sick, is having to remain still. And when I visit people um, who have fallen or have hurt themselves and are out of commission for a little while, that's the number one emotion that they have, is I don't want to be sitting here. I want to be doing something. I want to be doing the things that I normally do. But to have your soul still, at times, can be even more challenging. And let's talk about why. Public perception is one of the primary topics of this scripture passage. Teachers have state testing scores. Salespeople have quarterly sales goals. Politicians have the first hundred days. Coaches have signature wins. Ministers have worship attendance. All of these things can cause your emotions to be lifted or pulled down. Can cause you to be excited or cause you to be depressed. Sometimes they have a positive impact. Because a person who is above you or a great mentor or a supervisor, whomever it may be, says, this is what we've done in the past. This is what I think you're capable of. This is what I think our numbers ought to be. And you push yourself to get those numbers, whatever they may be. Sometimes we have positive competition among our peers. But just as often, these benchmarks can have a negative impact. What will people think? about what this number is. And it causes individuals at times, it causes major corporations at times, it causes governments at times to bend the numbers a little bit. Because public perception can be so powerful and leaders want momentum and if they don't have the numbers to back it up, they can be in trouble. So today's the last day we're going to hear from 1 Corinthians. We've read it this entire month. Paul writing to the people of the church of Corinth and um, trying to get them on point, trying to encourage them, trying, them, trying to encourage them to take responsibility. And today he's talking about public perception. So we're looking at chapter 4, verse 1, and you can find it on page 1775 in your pew Bible. This then is how you ought to regard us, as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So given a trust is something that happens throughout the entire Bible. But Jesus emphasizes it in particular a lot of times through parables. One of which he says there was a man who had great wealth. There was a man who was a landowner. He was leaving town. And he gave three men three different gifts. One five coins or five bags of coins. One three and one one. And then he went on a journey. And these people are given a gift according to their skill level according to what they're capable of. And it's important to know whatever situation we're in, whether it be in the church, whether it be in our home, whether it be at work, which one of those three categories that we're in, it's important to know that to start with, to manage our expectations, to know what we're supposed to do. So you put me in a church, I think I know a lot about the details of a church. I think you could put me in the country. I think you could put me downtown. I think you could put me in a small town. I think you could put me in a major city. 
um, and I would know the basic fundamentals in uh, helping lead a church. But then you put me in the home and in charge of the children, you know, that number might drop a little bit in terms of proficiency. Now, yesterday, uh, unfortunately, Katie caught a number of uh, the things that I had last week, so she's down. Um, so I had the kids yesterday. Saturday. We had um, meals. We had to get dressed. We had games. We had snacks. We had to come up with content from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. I crushed it. We played, uh, we got a new game for Christmas that was Frisbee Golf. It's called Froth. And we started off way over in Jeff and Nella's yard and would come towards our yard. We started up by the road, we go towards it. And you know, it's just like golf except it's with Frisbees. We'd start over in the chiropractor's office and go towards our yard. I taught them the fundamentals of why golf balances people's skill sets and Caroline got to start way off and then Addison and then me. We had lunch, I cut their sandwiches diagonally. It was killer. Put some chips in the middle. And then we watched some Netflix. So, pretty great day. On a Saturday, I'm your guy. Tuesday? No. No, I'm not your Tuesday guy. I don't get the children up by 6. Get them fed by 6.30. Get them dressed by 6.40. Get every thing in their book bag. How can such little people carry such big book bags? I don't get the form in there. I don't get that form signed. I don't get them to the right place. I do at 3 o'clock help get them from one place to the next place. So I'm not, it's important to know in what situation you're in, what skill set you have, and what you're called to do. Paul feels like he is one of those highly skilled people in this situation. Someone who's been entrusted with a great deal. And as Christ came to earth, taught the people, went to Jerusalem, was crucified, and was risen, now that message was in the hands of human beings. And he felt he was one of those amazing human beings who could be a true leader. His drive is not to please anyone. It's to motivate them. And he talks a great deal about thriving where one is placed. This is one of the fundamental images of the Bible, and especially in the New Testament. And it's a message that clergy hear a great deal from our bishop. He says, many of you uh, might think, I, if I just had a better situation, if I just had a little bit more money, if I just had a little bit more authority, if I just had a little bit more rest, a little more food, then maybe I could get this done. But he's saying we've all been given a tremendous opportunity, the place where we are right now, and the place where we're called right now, with the skill sets that we have right now. He's saying, I've held this position, and I'm about to hand it to you. In verse 3 he says, I care very little if I'm judged by you or any human court. Indeed, I don't even judge myself. My conscience is clear. But that doesn't make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. 
So this is truly Paul's take on public perception. And if put in the wrong hands and in the wrong context, it could be quite risky. Because he says, I could care less. Imagine if I let off an administrative council like that. I could care less what y'all think of me. I know what I'm doing. Is, how do you think that would be received? Number one, it's not really my style. Number two, it could be perceived that, uh, and I've seen, unfortunately, I've seen peers in ministry get to that place. The position gets so hard, and the grind gets so hard, and the contentiousness rises so high that the individual says, I don't care what y'all think, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. This isn't that situation. There's a really important distinction in this situation that I think could help us a great deal. On the base level, Paul does not care about his, their opinions because he's much harder than themsel on himself than they will ever be. He's an achiever. He's been to the best schools. And when he was with the Jewish faith, he was among the great leaders, one of the great teachers. And when he felt it was right to persecute Christians, he was one of the great persecutors of Christians. And when he got knocked off his um, horse, or uh, was it a donkey? Is he, he's a horse or donkey, he's knocked off. And all of a sudden he becomes a Christian, and he's among the best of those. He's an amazing church planter. And so on the one hand, he doesn't care about public perception because he's an achiever. On the other hand, he doesn't care about perception because he knows he has great passion and effort. You know those moments when you know that you put everything that you could into whatever situation it was, regardless of the outcome? I did every single thing I could. That makes life a little easier. Even so, we can be hard on ourselves. Even so, we can let the opinions of the few, or maybe a little more than a few, truly affect our attitude and our behavior. Y'all ever struggle to find something that everybody in the entire family will watch on TV? Has that ever been a struggle? Our family is always looking for content that somehow can entertain all of us, yet remain on the level of all of us that's okay. So the place we land most times is um, uh, reality show competitions, like Survivor, or like um, Top Chef is one of our favorites. And in Top Chef, they get uh, uh, 18 chefs, and they give them these crazy competitions. And it's like every other competition show you've seen. There's a little competition, then there's a big competition, then someone's voted out until they're down to one who's the champion. So unfortunately, my children are picking up on my tendencies and starting to do things to me that I've done to them their entire lives. So I'll give you an example. We were watching Top Chef, and there's a chef throughout the entire season who came up with pretty good things, regardless of the circumstances, and pretty much always had a good dish that was above the others. But when they were sitting in a room after the competition, but before the judging, they would ask how he did, and you know what he would say? Stupid. It was stupid. I should have done this differently. I should have done this differently. I don't even know. Uh, forget it. I have, I have zero confidence that this is going to work out. And we watched that for three quarters of the season, and I say to the girls, you know how goofy that is? Look at what he poured into it, and he had a pretty decent dish despite the circumstances that they heaped on him. 
You know what Caroline says to me? You never happen on Sunday. You're never happy with what happened on Sunday. And I said, oh, what are you teaching now? Am I supposed to bring out the notebook now? I'm learning from you. That thing where I point out to people, you know what you just said compared to what you just did? It's kind of goofy. Caroline's got that one. And uh, now she's only in what? She's only in the fifth grade. It's going to be a long journey uh, to the twelfth grade. But it's true. It's true there are many times in which I leave whatever it was, a meeting or a game uh, that we were playing in or a worship service or whatever it be, and I think, oh, that was stupid. Not the whole thing, but something that I could have done differently or some detail that could have been differently or some font that could have been different or some uh, point that I had. that was It was the point and I forgot it. Or I had it in that one and I got it in this one. I missed it in this one. Or I missed it at 9 and I got it at 11 if you could just duplicate it. But she pointed it out to me. Uh, well, you probably should um, pay attention to what he's doing and learn from that. I thought that was interesting. So knowing that you put everything that you had into it is the next level. But the real level that impacts Paul's unwillingness, at least on paper, to take the abuse of the people is that he says, I don't answer to you. I answer to God. And there, there's sort of two levels to that. On the one hand, you think, that's right. Why am I so concerned with every single person loving every single thing? That's goofy. I can relieve myself of that burden. Of course, that's replaced with, because it's in the name of God, not this human being. That's a little more pressure. I remember uh, um, ministers are awful. They mess with each other all the time. And one of my early mentors, when I was quite nervous, didn't get many repetitions in doing sermons, and I thought, what are they going to think when I say this? And he says, oh, don't even worry about the people. You're about to say something about God. Forget the people. I was like, thanks. A whole nother pressure. But it's true. He says, I'm not doing this for you, and I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this in the name of God and on behalf of God. That's a totally different level, a totally different goal. Someone far more significant than either of us. How would that impact your work? How would that impact your conversations? How would that impact our worship if we, if we were consistently thinking, not, is this the perfect thing for me? But is this what God wants entirely to deliver this message? Verse 5 says, Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. So from that, I pull the phrase, be aware of the time. We see all the time, all around us, that our time to serve, our time to touch others, is quite limited. And we have no idea how limited it is. We don't. We figure that we will go on forever. We can't. 
We figure that we at least have this many years. We don't know. We've got a limited amount of time, and that is what Paul is telling these people. And this is what we do in our limited time if we're not at our best. We compare. How is my effort compared to your effort? How are my toys compared to your toys? How's my house compared to your house? How's my church compared to your church? How's my faith compared to your faith? Is that helpful? Mm -mm. We lament. If I had just not done that thing three years ago. If I had just not said that thing. If I had just spoken to that person in that moment. And we pile it on and we pile it on and we put it in a book bag that's heavier than the one I was talking about with the girls on Tuesday. And we look back and we go, oh. We wish for different circumstances. You know it would be easier? If I, it'd be so much easier if you just take this away or give this to me and then I can do it. Lamenting most often leads to wishing for different circumstances. If I just had more X, then I could do it. We worry about what people think. Right? You ever wake up and think, oh, this day. I do not want to do this day. Because of whatever you have to do and whatever you think people will think about what you've done. Comparing, lamenting, wishing, and worrying. These are all crushers of the limited time we have. These all set fire to the limited time that we have in the window of opportunity of what we've been given and the skill sets that we have and what we've been called to do. So consider three things with the time that we've been allotted of which we do not know when it will end. Consider your gifts. What did God give you straight out of the box that you hardly even have to work to do? Consider your placement. Somehow, you're here in this church. Somehow, you're in your circle of friends. Somehow, you're in your spot in your family. And somehow, you're living where you're living and interacting with whom you're interacting with. You've been placed in a position with a skill set with a limited amount of time. Consider your God. Not like consider your God of when I've heard um, teenagers or young adults describe God's up there like, mm. or I'm never walking into church because if I walk into church, no telling what God's going to think. Forget all that. Consider your God who has graced you with all of these things and who loves you more than anyone you know that loves you and who has called you to occupy this specific position at this time to serve the people who are sad and broken in this community. Don't concern yourself with comparing, lamenting, wishing, or worrying. Concern yourself with making a difference with the opportunity that you've been given.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand as you're able and join us for our final hymn, number 140.